One thing that's a constant concern in creator life is the fact of imposter syndrome. It affects everyone, even the top tier creators that you look up to. And uh, it varies from person to person, but I think the strategies for dealing with them are always worth the study. It's not something I often do with much uh, anymore or talk about much on a date uh, anymore. I still do with it. Th those who are very, very long time followers of me will remember that I actually did have an old podcast called Imposter Syndrome. It is dead, so it's a little bit hard to find right now, but if you're very, very enterprising, you can go find it. Anyway, I uh, this, was listening to the Copy Blogger podcast, which uh, has been rebooted, I think, a year ago. I may have featured a couple of their episodes uh, in the past, but I think it's extremely underrated because these two guys, uh, Ethan and Tim, are very, very good. Uh, they had an episode on imposter syndrome, and I thought that uh, this clip that I'm about to play you is very solid on the ways that they, they deal with them. They're not beginners but they still deal with it. And I think it's worth checking in on that. And um, the headline of the podcast was, don't be helpful, be valuable. And you said something that I think is important. I want to just touch on real quick, because last week we talked about this, or was it last week or maybe two weeks ago, we talked about Sahil Bloom. And um, as I was building the case study for that, I watched a bunch of interviews. I think I watched an interview he did with Nathan Barry. And... In the interview, he's talking about the very first tweet that he ever wrote. So for I guess for people who maybe didn't hear that episode, CEO Blooms, this guy built a huge Twitter audience, and he used to do two tweets per week, uh, like a thread. Yeah. Every every couple of days, he would do a thread, and they just became incredibly popular. And um, he said this thing in the interview where he said he was like writing his first thread, and he said something to the effect of like, I knew it was good, and I knew it would help people. And so like, I just decided to publish it. And you watch him say that as a writer, I think it stands out a little bit because what you said is, is so often true. Like most people don't have the default belief that their writing is going to help somebody else. For sure. The default thought is like, what if people hate this? Or no one cares. I totally agree. What a cool way to look at it. I love the idea about default confidence like you just said because so many people put stuff out there and the first thing they think of is like, nobody cares about this myself included and as soon as you said that that like really resonated with me and i'm going to do like a mental exercise from now on to think like this can help even if it helps one person you know it's better to think that like this can help one person than it is to think that this isn't going to help anybody so yeah i really dig that yeah yeah it stood out to me speaking of mental exercises i think we should talk about something that we touched on last week that you wrote about something that I thought about all week long. I spent some time going through this. So last week we were mid conversation. Well, we were talking about it through the lens of a business owner, how to like raise your prices and really feel like you were worth what you were charging. And you said this thing that I haven't been able to get in my head, which is if you rigorously dedicate yourself to yeah. not just saying you're the best, but actually being the best at the one thing that matters and like looking at it and measuring it, then the confidence builds itself. It's only when you, some part of you kind of knows that you're not keeping your eye on that ball, that you're forced to sort of compensate with all these other types of, of uh, maybe like self-created confidence. And that was a great conversation. You ended up writing a whole piece about it, which I want to get into, but the reason I say like we should transition into this based on what you said about an exercise is because I took that and I actually did an exercise. So last week I said this is 
this this idea of imposter syndrome is something that I think we all experience. Certainly something I experience because I feel like I've in some ways stumbled into this position at a, at a very well-known publication doing incredibly cool work with very cool people. And so I think about that all the time. Imposter syndrome, do I deserve to be here? Blah, blah, blah. So last week after our conversation, my big takeaway was like, you got to figure out what's that thing that really matters and then go look at it and basically try to find evidence. Do you have really good evidence uh, that you are good at this thing? Or are there things that you need to be good at that you don't have good evidence for yet? And so here's where I landed on it. So there's I, I have a, there's like a couple of um, traits that I would say are really important to performing well in my job. So like one is being able to explain ideas, like concepts, in a way that most people can grasp, to, 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 to take complex ideas and make them simple and approachable. Uh, another is like, you have to be able to put in a certain amount of effort, like willingness to expend energy is is definitely part of being successful in this career. But there's others too, like being able to build an audience and being able to sort of quote unquote sell online. Like how do you get people kind of on your bandwagon online? And what I basically did was I, I rounded them all up and then I said to myself, okay, which of these do I have concrete evidence that I'm extremely good at? And which of these do I not have evidence for yet? And I framed it that way specifically because there are some things that I feel I might be good at, but I don't necessarily have the evidence for them yet. And I don't want to, I don't want to lump them in and say, I'm not good at these things. What I want to say is I don't yet have the measurable evidence to prove that I'm good at these things. So I'm going to go find that evidence next. So the things that I have like a ton of, I have measurable proof that I'm good at selling in person that I'm good at like breaking down ideas, making them simple and approachable, and that I can put in a ton of effort like when it matters. I have plenty of evidence that all those things are true, like zero confidence issues when it comes to those three things. The things that I do not yet have satisfactory proof of, these are the three that I came away with that I want to work on. One is selling online. When I think about, like I've sold stuff. I've run entire businesses that were completely remote. But when I think about the most important sales that I've ever done or like selling that I've ever done, it's primarily some version of this. Like mm -hmm. Face to face, I can talk to somebody. Related to that would be like growing or growing an audience. And I got to create some benchmarks there. But specifically, I have not had to grow audiences from like the zero to 10,000 mark. In my job, I came into a pre-existing audience, which was helpful. And then in my businesses before that, I didn't need like an audience per se. I needed one or two clients, you know, to in order to make money at any given point in time. So that's not like an audience building need. So I don't have I don't have evidence for those two yet. And then the last one is consistency. So this is probably like a gray area. Mm -hmm. I can probably find evidence that I'm like a consistent person. But in general, I tend to find success by like putting in huge amounts of effort over a short period of time pushing the boulder like over the finish line and then not touching it again forever. And I think what I want to develop is more examples of times when I've been just very consistent with sort of like low to medium amounts of effort. So that's the exercise that I went through over the course of the week. Hatch it to you. That was, it was, this is something I still think about. Like I think I'm going to think about for a while. What's your take on that? As I kind of talk you through that exercise. Yeah. First off, that is so cool that you did that, man. And I really mean that. That is so cool. 
I have a few things to say about this. One of them will be specific, tactful, and the other one is a little bit more big picture thinking, which is something that I, I think about a lot. The tactful piece is you may not realize it, but the most important thing that you said is you looked at it. And I think this is the the deal that people miss where they think being a fraud is the same thing as failing. And it's not. So if you read my article, this 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 was another one of these articles that took me a long time to write, man. And this podcast is really helping me. And, and I swear, it's almost like coming together really well. I, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Like some of my best work is coming out. And the example that I use is, you know, let's say that you're trying to run a 5K race if you've never run before. And you practice and you train and you come in last place. Like, are you a fraud? It's like, no, of course not. Because you aimed at finishing a race. It has nothing to do with like hitting a goal or failing or even succeeding. It's just the mere act of having a target that you're looking at makes it so that like, even if you hit the target or not, you're going to be closer. Like you're going to be on the right path. You're going to be floating down the river, which is going to take you to the correct Delta, you know? So yeah, like you nailed it, man. You nailed it. You, You totally got it. And like imposter syndrome isn't about winning and losing and failing. It's about that feeling where, again, if you read my article, you're just saying like, hey, what can I help you with? Hey, hey, boss, can I knock on your door? What's going on? What can I do for you today? Where pros like don't need to do that. They really don't because they they just know like I'm on the right path. And I know I'm on the right path because I'm I'm looking right at it. Like you're quite literally looking at the finish line. So it's like a for me, a mental exercise of calibration, much more than it's a mental exercise of success or failure. Okay. That's my tactful part of it. Go ahead. What do you got? Can, can I just pause? I want to I wanna read, there were two lines from the piece that really stood out to me. I think you encapsulated both those ideas that you just shared really well inside this article. And I want to just read them to, to to double down and drive home this concept for people who it's really right, important. Like, yeah, be jiving with this right now. So, but it's, it's like you know, it's not about beating yourself up. You know, that's like the important part. Being a pro doesn't mean you're beating the shit out of yourself all the time. It just means that you're looking in the right direction. So, I just, I really, I'm glad that you're nailing this home because it's important. Totally. And I think what the reason that this originally kind of grabbed me, grabbed my attention, was because when you said it the first time. There was something about it that just seemed like uh, like such a relief, you know, because the way you put it last week was like, you know, once you are focused on the on the one thing, it's like the, the confidence just kind of builds itself and you don't have to worry about it anymore like because you, you know where you stand. And there is something about that that just resonates so true from other arenas. Like, like, I don't feel like a fraud when it comes to, say, like trail running. Right. Mm-hmm. We just talked about that. That's one of my favorite things to do. I know I'm not the best, mm-hmm. but I also know that like I put the time in and I feel like I perform there the way that I want to perform at this stage in whatever my journey is there. Yes. And it's like what you're talking about is when you look straight at the thing, you may not be there. You may not even be where you want to be. But 
you know you're putting in the work to get there and that is what creates the confidence it's not mm-hmm. necessarily it's not necessarily it may not even be being the best once you once you are really super confident that the numbers show that you're the best yeah i would agree probably another dose of confidence comes from that but there's something about just showing up to put in the work that will quiet a lot of those demons in your mind so there's two things in here that you say one is the reason you may feel like a fraud is because you never picked a specific aim and measured your success directly against what matters most this is the thing that we've talked about this a couple of times and the, the that was so interesting for me to read because what it gets me thinking about is like I'm not even sure I can encapsulate this well in words. It's like that noise that goes on in your mind where you're you're telling yourself, oh, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I deserve this. What that really is, is too much space. It's, it's too much. It space. feels so good to hear you get this. Really, it really does. Well, I hope, I hope other people uh, benefit from this too because this whole framing of this i like this is going to be one of this is like one of those big five big ideas i'll take out of this year i think but what it is it's like it's like too much space and you you like lacking a specific measure a specific goal creates all this space for other ideas to move in other ideas of what could be important and without taking the time to really purposefully review them your mind kind of like hops from one to the next, the next, to the next, the next, like you're swinging through the jungle on vines. She's kind of grabbing at stuff and you're not really sure if you're doing the thing, you know? And as you said now multiple times, just stopping to get a really clear look at what is the thing, it quiets all that and it fills up all that space because now you know. There's no, there's, there's not a bunch of extra stuff creeping in that, that might be important. It's, there's the thing and then there is your gauge of whether or not you're putting in the work to do it. And, you know, I think there's plenty of examples. I mentioned consistency is one thing for me that I want to get better at. It's not enough just to know what that one thing is, right? You got to put the work in. Those two aspects are what is going to create confidence, I think, in a lot of a lot of cases. Uh, well, that there's one quick other note that I would just say about the article. People who haven't checked it out yet, you should go check it out because I, I, the other thing that I like that you did is you laid out the measurable goals for like the four main areas of your life, uh, or at least your like business slash fitness. Again, I think what there's two things that are interesting about this. The first is sort of obvious, which is that a lot of people don't typically take the time to do this. Again, creates that space. But the other is that some of these goals are a little counterintuitive. And yeah, by setting counterintuitive goals, like you, you set the game up so that you can win it, which I think is another really interesting thing. Most people never take the time to to think through. They they'll use the same metrics that most people use, and if you compete like in the same game on the same metrics as a whole bunch of people who are way ahead of you, yeah, you're always going to feel way behind, and you may not even build the type of life that you actually want to live. So I like that section. But the other quote that really grabbed me was: instead of being helpful, focus on being valuable, and that whole section is worth a read for people who maybe feel similar. Like I'm kind of a people pleaser. I try not to be. And people tell me I do a good job of like creating boundaries around my time, but I don't feel like I'm very good at it. I feel like I take on uh, things like I'm quicker to sacrifice something that I want to do for something that comes up Mm -hmm. for somebody else. And I'm always trying to get a little better at at that side of it. So rather than being helpful, be valuable. I think that's such an interesting framing 
for somebody, especially if you have a job, like a capital J job and you're taking a paycheck? Uh, yeah. And I went through both examples of being a job and being an entrepreneur, but I, I would, I would say it's easier to relate to if you have a job, but I would say it's, it's just as relevant whether you work for yourself or you work for somebody else, because if you're valuable, nobody cares if you're helpful or not. I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a, it's an easy layup, but I guess Warren Buffett, something like that is the best example. Like nobody's ever going to call Warren Buffett. It's like, hey, you didn't send me the things that I wanted in the right order that you wanted. Like, <laughs> you probably wouldn't even answer the phone, right? Like, <laughs> nobody cares if he's helpful. And yeah, that's really cool that you noticed that because my wife actually really helped me with this. I didn't know how to end it because I didn't want to say the same thing over and over again just to have like a conclusion. There, there's sometimes I think to myself, do I need to just push this person off the cliff with how I end it? But I did want to drive the point home because being helpful is easy and painful in the same way that like being a couch potato is easy and painful, but being valuable is also painful and easier. And so no matter what you do, it's going to suck. And that's just the reality of it. And having that courage to actually look at the thing. And just be like, it's so scary, man. Like, I remember it so well when I would get these emails from clients and just like that feeling like, oh, no, this person's mad at me. This person's mad at me. I didn't even open the fucking email yet. You know what I mean? I just like assumed that I did something to upset somebody and I hated it. I'm an anxious person to begin with. I got way too much nervous energy. Like, I'm definitely a people pleaser. I want people to like me. I don't necessarily need to please people. I just want people to like me, you know? And it, it just wasn't until I, I don't want to say I built up the courage. It was kind of a blessing. Like it was gifted to me. You know, it was like the pain of changing was, the pain of staying the same was worse than the pain of changing type deal, you know? And it just, it just happened. I was like, okay, from now on, I'm just going to look at the thing and I don't want to feel like this anymore. And if I fail, then I fail. But at least I know that I'm, going in the right direction because if i stay looking at the thing if i fall it's fine you just keep moving in that direction hmm. all right that's kind of a long clip so i'm going to cut it short today uh the article link is in the show notes